podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to your post-match Raw on AI Pro, podcasting to you from my field here in beautiful rural Ireland. I'm Trev Downey. And joining me to give their reactions to Liverpool nil, Chelsea nil in the Premier League from Anfield are Dave Hendrick and Carl Matchett. There are various reasons why we're not going to go along today, Dave. Scheduling, uh, you know, all, all sorts of different reasons for different people. Uh, Carl may not be feeling 100% uh, at the moment as well. Uh, and yet the greatest reason for not going along here is because there's very little to talk about because that was an atrocious game of football. That was an appalling game. It was like watching, you know, Steve Bruce's Birmingham against Tony Pulis's Stoke in the mid-2000s. Uh, a genuinely dreadful game of football with two teams that played with a bit of fear about them. Neither side really seemed to want to commit much in terms of going to win the game. They probably had the better of it over the 90-odd minutes in terms of you know half-decent chances that they created, but... It was just a really bad game of football. I'm, I'm happy with the clean sheet. That's the one positive that I'll take from there. I'm happy that Darwin is, is back. But other than that, I'm really struggling to think of anything positive to say about that game. We were, we were compact at times and at least in open play, our defensive structure was a little bit better than it has been. But even at that, I'm, I'm, I'm really grasping at straws. Yeah, an awful lot of that is down to uh, heroics by Ibu Kanate at times as well. If we're being honest, he does read the game very well. Uh, he's a he's a good lad to get across and uh, make an interception or see a run or whatever. And yeah, I, I wanted to lean into that as well, but not really sure how much I can. And Carl, to bring you in straight away as well. I mean, look. <laughs> As, as Dave says, we're going to struggle to, to pick out too many highlights, to be honest, from, from either team. But the game has left me with, it's one of those left with more questions than answers ones, because I'm not 100% sure what it was that uh, Jurgen was trying to do with the lineup in the first place anyway. Uh, I think it's safe to say after the first half that it didn't work. Then we saw a raft of changes. Um, and we were struggling to see any great pattern emerge at all to our play. Just some of the basic stats. I know this is kind of your domain rather than mine, but when you only have three shots on target in the entirety of the game and the Reds only have 47% of the ball at home and have only completed 473 passes when, you know, a decent Reds top end performance is quite often worrying 800. These are all like, you know, what do stats mean? Well, they do speak to a certain level of sloppiness there, I think, that was evident even from the eye test, Carl. Yeah, um, I think back to a podcast of not too long ago, which I think ended up being titled The Browning or something similar. And it was, <laughs> it was very brown out there today. That's, uh, that's the first thing I'll say. I'm, I'm going to play devil's advocate here because, quite frankly, the game was boring enough without need to make the podcast boring by agreeing with each other. So not necessarily that I believe this, but let, let's play. Let's play along with this anyway. I think it was good to see the lineup changed uh, from the last league game. I think it was good to see uh, certain players left in the side who played in midfield, uh, sorry, midfield in midweek and um, maybe contributed to a bit more of an impact uh, in certain off the ball scenarios. I think there was some pre-game notes about why players were on the bench and stuff like that and I, I don't believe it in the slightest I think there was some some leavings out today uh, for, for the simple fact of leaving them out because the performances haven't been good enough 
Um, I think we were more compact on the ball. Uh, sorry, more compact off the ball defensively. I think we were a little bit better at um, playing from deep areas through midfield today, but there's uh, quite a big disconnect between the rest of the team and the forward at the minute. I think if we'd have played a more cohesive unit than Chelsea are at the minute, we probably would have struggled to create anything at all. I think if we'd have played a, a better uh, attacking side than Chelsea, we probably would have lost today. But that said, I think there were improvements co- compared to the last couple of games. And if we just need to try and get ourselves back on an even footing, then you know this was a step forward from Brentford and this was about seven mile run forward from Brighton. So we'll take that, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A, a, an element of uh, having to work hard for those uh, uh, slightly upbeat comments. And I do appreciate them because it is important to try and uh, uh, see things from all perspectives. And speaking of, Dave, can we just have a quick look at that Liverpool team? I've alluded to a little bit of a, a, a quizzical eyebrow raised on, on my noggin when I saw it. Not necessarily the personnel as much as the positioning of said personnel. So we went with Alison. Jimmy Miller came in because apparently Trent still has some sort of an issue with a, I think it was a hamstring injury, I think they were saying. Uh, Canate and Gomez continued with Rob on the other side. Uh, Stefan Bacetic held on to his position in the middle of the park alongside Thiago and Abby Keita. And we went with the front three of Elliot, Salah and Gakpo with Cody Gakpo central. Uh, Harvey Elliott on the left wing uh, and Mo Salah in his familiar position uh, which is where I started wondering about the effectiveness of mm. that because we've seen Cody Gakpo be wonderfully effective raiding in from the left in fact pretty much all of the good Cody Gakpo things I've seen seem to be him drifting in from the left uh, where he has been excellent Um I'm not understanding this idea of trying to turn him into our target man in the absence of Darwin today uh, when Mo Salah, who has been, I, I, I think it's safe to say we can possibly have this conversation now, really miles off what Mo Salah mm. is capable of. Uh, I know it was really not, it wasn't kosher to say that. Some people will get mightily defensive and say, he's, look at the goals he's got. Okay, whatever. I think we can say it now. He's, he's, he's way off for... This is what, this is possibly the best attacker I've seen in a Liverpool shirt, uh, when all is said and done, if he has a, a successful season next year. And he's nowhere near where he should be. So I was cu- really, really curious to hear what you thought about that lineup, specifically the way he went with the attacking, uh, third. Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch? and those must-have fan threads. Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to anfieldindex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. So, no problem with the defence. If Trent has a hamstring injury, Trent has a hamstring injury. He didn't train for a couple of days during the week. That was mentioned by somebody yesterday. So fair enough. So fair enough. Jimmy Milner played well in, in midweek. So that's grand. Uh, no real issue with the midfield because they played played well against Wolves. <clears throat> and in terms of the personnel, you wouldn't have minded the front three. But like you said, it's the positioning of them. Harvey Elliott is not a left winger in a front three. Now, you could maybe play him left side of a four and not ask him to be trying to beat a man, just ask him to recycle the ball, get crosses and whatever. Gakbo through the middle is just a really weird thing. Now, I could see the logic in it if we were playing pace either side of him. So if Darwin had started, myself and Carl talked about this on Scouted, if Darwin was going to start, then I could see Gakbo through the middle. But not if it was going to be Harvey, because now you've got two players that don't have explosive pace in Harvey's 
case, very little pace anyway. And Mo, Mo hasn't been great this season. And people will point to, to goals and they'll point to assists and they'll say that's proof that he's playing well. But it isn't proof that he's playing well. Uh, goals and assists might color the view of an overall performance, but the action of scoring a goal or creating a goal takes less than one minute in a 95 minute match. And for many games, Mo has not been having an impact. A lot of people are saying it since the World Cup. I think it's before that. I don't think Mo has been at the level we've needed him to be at most of the season. And today he was just, he was really poor. I mean, he's, he's, he showed some decent little flashes in the first half, but we weren't getting him the ball enough. And when we were getting him the ball, there wasn't enough movement from the other two. Gakbo was just sort of loitering on the edge of the box and Harvey was standing way outside the box and neither of them were looking to get in. Naby wasn't getting towards the box enough to give Mo an option to cut back. So while I would say Mo didn't play well, I also don't think those around him helped him because we've got two lads playing into position and we've got a midfield that very good technically, but not the quickest in the world. So when Mo's getting the ball and it's 40 yards ahead of everybody else, by the time he beats Kukure and steps and comes in field, the only real option he has is Gakbo stood on the edge of the box. He's got no one else to pass to. So I, I think he's been let down by the coaching staff as well in terms of how they've set the team up today. But I don't think Mo's had a particularly good season. I, I think, I think goals do color people's view. Like if you take, take Bobby as an example. Everyone likes to say, oh, well, Bobby's having a great season, or he was having a great season. Look at the goals he's gotten. Yeah, but look at the goals he's gotten. Bobby got three goals and two assists against Bournemouth, so five goal involvements. He got three goal involvements against Rangers and two against two against Brighton. And for the other 1,100 minutes of the season, Bobby has three goal involvements. Mo is getting goals and was getting goals and assists, but he wasn't playing well. He wasn't impacting games the way we've seen him impact games over the last five years he's been at the club. Yeah, I think you can trace that uh, sort of drop-off all the way through to uh, the middle of last season as well. Because Post-AFCON, he hasn't been the same player. still stand by the fact that if we had top-end Mo Salah for the last half of last season, we have one of the two majors alongside the two Cups. Uh, maybe maybe all four could have got done. Uh, that was the difference. Um, <laughs> again, it's not his fault. We, 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 we really, we are, we were reliant on him being that guy. And Carl, to bring you in on, on Chelsea here, uh, a lot of speculation on the uh, BT Sport com- commentary thing. God bless them. Uh, they were just mightily confused as the game was going on about how a team could change formations within a game. Um, seeming to suggest that Graham Potter was either uh, some sort of wizard or actually had a clue what he was doing. I'm not sure they, they knew where they were going with it. Uh, they do have, thanks to Todd Bowley, a remarkable and ever-increasing squad of footballers. He went today with a team which had kept in goal uh, Chalaba, Silva, and Badi Yashina, their new boy. Uh, then Hall, Jorginho, Gallagher, Kukurea, Ziyech, Havertz, and Mount filling out the uh, rest of the positions. And of course, they could at times look as if they had a three at the back and times uh, far more traditional looking uh, uh, shape to them. Um, would you like to talk us through what you think it is Graham Potter's trying to do there and around that selection that he put out there because on the bench today for them as Pilicueta came on to great effect to be fair to him much as I dislike the lad uh, they also had Kula Bali on there Chukwameka who came on Loftus-Cheek is on the bench Mudrick came on looked good Obama Yang's on that bench as well and Fofana uh, along with Humphreys and Bettinelli Uh would you uh, would you be clear on exactly what it is that uh, Graham Potter and the Potter Ball 2.0 is going to look like at Chelsea from looking at that team today? 
Um, uh, I think it gave some good indications because when I looked at the lineup, I didn't actually know if they were playing any one of about three different systems. And I think that's that's potable in a nutshell. I mean, you saw there was lots of swapping over positions and changing on and off the ball. BT had themselves a, a good 20-minute discussion in the first half trying to work out what formation they were playing every five minutes. Um, it's it's pretty much the same as it always is, to be perfectly honest. It's one shape on the ball and one shape off the ball. So I'm not sure what yeah. the mystery was there, but it could have been... Um, it could have been wing-backs with Kugure as one of the, the left-sided centre-back, obviously, and Hall down the left, where he has been. Hall, coming through the youth academy, was the central midfield player, which is obviously where he ended up um, playing at the start today. But I also wondered if it was going to be more of a, a fixed 4-2-3-1 with him a little bit further forward, um, outside Mount, for example, because uh, a couple of times in-game against the bigger sides, Potter has actually gone to a bit more of a a line of four and a line of four basically across the midfield so it could have been anything really and I think that that's the big um, trait let's say of Potter's teams in terms of the actual on the ball work I think you can see parts of it like I think he's already getting quite a lot more out of certain players I mean Hakim Ziyech today probably put in more work rate there than he has done in 99% of his other Chelsea performances to be honest I think he he had a, a really good game on and off the ball um, there's still some elements that I know it's not right to compare Brighton because they're a much smaller club, obviously, but in terms of that penalty box presence, goal scoring, all those sort of issues that Brighton did have under Potter, you can also see them being replicated here at the minute. So there's still bits to sort out, but I think they are slightly getting there. There's just a few players who I don't really think quite fit. I don't really think he's worked out how to use Mason Mount particularly well yet. Probably say the same for, for Sterling, obviously. Mudrick, when he came on, we'll get to him, I guess. But you can see that he is the type of player who will fit very, very well with what he wants to do. Dave, you want to have a word or two about Chelsea before we get into the details of the match, you and I, the first half? No, just like as Carl said, they're a very confusing team when you see their their players listed with no real notion of where they might play. As Carl said, it could have been any of three or four formations uh, to start the game, but as it, as it turned out, it was a fairly straightforward uh, system. I do like to look at that Lewis Hall. I have to say, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he does end up as a left back long term. A little bit of a of a Trent type move. I think he's got a really good passing range. He's very comfortable on the ball. He's decent defensively as well, which is which is a plus. Yeah, I know it's very anti hipster and very bottom red or whatever the current definition the kids are going with these days. But I do find myself remarkably envious of all these clubs buying all these players and getting to see their new uh, shiny things coming out onto the pitch on occasion uh, it, it's it's uh, it's 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 a bit of a whine from me but uh, I, 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 if you know it's hard to avoid that feeling can we just talk about one incident right at the start here because there's no point in getting into the details of the first half without acknowledging that the first half starts well, actually, I think on two minutes, Robbo goes in hard on, uh, I thought it was, I think it was Gallagher. I'm not sure, but on two minutes, they're a goal up theoretically. It goes to VAR. Kai Havertz has the ball in the net. It's a corner, which is helped on, uh, to Thiago Silva, who has an opportunity to score, but he, uh, hits the post. Now, I think Ali was getting across pretty well, but again, that's hard to be definitive about. Uh, and as the ball comes back off the post, Havertz sweeps it home, but he's judged to be offside. Now, there's a couple of things here. The, the, the veracity of the call, I think, is fairly straightforward. I think it, I don't think there's too much to argue about. But you'd have to say there's probably zero excuse for us being so ridiculously open from a set piece, which we continue to be for the whole game. Any set piece were, uh, I, I, like uh, my auntie would say, like turkeys on thumbtacks. Just absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, and for that to be the start of the game, I'm sorry, but that sets a sort of a precedent and you're going to have nerves coming in then and you're going to have nervous football by our defenders. How in the name of God can we be that exposed so early in a match, Dave? Like, it's not just one shot that gets away, it's two shots to get away. And fact, completely unmarked. Two completely and, unmarked shots, unchallenged. In, our, in our six yard box. In our six yard box, and unless I'm mistaken, there's an original touch on as well to uh, Thiago Silva. Uh, I'm not 100% sure who it was. So, talk to me about that because that, that's, that's infuriating. It is. It is. I mean, we, we used to be so formidable 
at set pieces at both ends of the pitch. We used to laughingly call ourselves set piece FC. We we never conceded goals from set pieces, and we used to score for fun from set pieces. And now we we don't score and we give up chances galore. I mean, look at the Brighton game; they had a couple of chances from set pieces. Brentford absolutely battered us from set pieces, and this has been an ongoing concern. And you know, you'd look at today's team. And you can kind of understand it a little bit because James Milner is not a big lad and he's not a particularly good header. He's not a particularly springy fella when it comes to defending set pieces. Yeah. Andy Robertson is small. Naby is small. Thiago is small. Basetic is tall, but very, very lightweight. Gakpo is tall, but seems very lightweight. Salah is small. Um, Elliot is small. So you've got basically Ibu and Joe Gomez, and Joe Gomez isn't particularly good in the air for a centre back. So you basically got Ibu trying to do everything by himself. But to be that switched off that early in a game, that's very, very concerning. Like we're two minutes in and lads are asleep. And I'd have been really interested to see if the Thiago Silva one went in, if it would have stood, because it looked to me like Milner played him on side at the back post. So we'll we'll have a look at the next few uh, incidents of the match together, Dave. On five minutes, we saw a pattern which uh, would re-establish itself a couple of times where Cody Gakpo blams one over uh, on five minutes. It was a Mo Salah cutback after a very good ball by Stefan Bacetic out to Mo. Um, we were playing some nice stuff. Thiago looked fairly sharp at that stage of the game. On 13 minutes, this is just worth a mention, those weirdos were singing God Save the Queen, which was duly booed. They're so odd. Uh, uh, decent bit of cover by Jimmy Miller in 16 minutes. I thought, you know, as you said, he did well in the week and you know what you're going to get from, from, from James Miller in that situation. And I often... I, I never mind seeing that right back when the game's ahead of him. I think he's okay like that. But a uh, little tribute to yourself on 17 minutes, I noticed uh, in a hoof watch, basically. Mm. A tremendous move and ended by the aforementioned Miller with a uh, Henderson tribute hoof. Uh, basically one of these launched crosses where like, they've got, what is it, 79 centre-backs and we have a load of little lads in there, so that's a great idea. Uh, 19 minutes, Cody Gakpo robbed Hall and hit another wild shot while he was leaning backwards. And then on 21, which is where we're going to finish it, Hall flashed one across the face of goal after a decent move by them. So it's kind of uh, a little bit cut and thrust over and back. No decent real efforts. Uh, Gakpo a bit wild and snatchy when he could have been a bit more composed. And it makes you wonder, doesn't it? Like all of these things feed into each other and you'd be a little bit sick of waiting for all of these guys to to just click. Uh, Talk to me about that opening 20. If there's anything you want to fill in or comment on. Yeah. I mean, it it was a very scrappy opening 20 and I thought at times we seemed to be trying to force things a little bit too much through the middle of the field. I thought Thiago and Naby both were a little bit lax in their passing and gave away a couple of cheap balls that they really shouldn't have. I thought Basetic did the same. But they were keeping at least a, a compact shape. Um, Robbo wasn't getting forward as much as we would have wanted him to, but I wonder how much of that was just, you know, not wanting to overcommit, knowing it's Harvey ahead of him who doesn't have the pace to cover back if Robbo's at a position. Did they, we got into a weird habit early in the first half of just flinging in blind crosses and Milner was probably the worst uh, culprit for that. Who are you crossing to? Like you're clipping them over Gakpo's head. So you're, you're crossing to Harvey Elliott against a six foot one Chalaba playing at right back or right side centre back or whatever shape that was. It just didn't make any sense to me. Gakpo, I mean, the shot from the Mo cutback, you could understand him taking that shot on. You know, first time shot, just have a go. And he strikes the ball. Like he has, he genuinely does make lovely contact with the ball when he shoots. But the second one, when he wins that ball back, look at your options. Look at your options. Don't be shooting in that position. Like you, you're not going to get a shot on target. They've got three men in front of you. The, the shot is not on here. 
try and do something else. Bring someone else into the game. If you have to, go backwards and reset things and just keep possession because we felt like we were losing control a little bit at that point when he had that shot. They were starting to get a bit more confident. They were slowing themselves down. They were building out from the back. And it felt like he just needed to put his foot on the ball and shift it backwards, even to Naby, and just give us two to three minutes of possession just to settle things back down again. But by taking the shot on, it just sort of amped the tempo up again. And you mentioned the the whole opportunity. I mean, our defensive line in that moment, Joe Gomez is two yards behind everybody else. I, I don't know what what's going on. There's no communication I don't know who's meant to be calling the line in that, that circumstance. Like, Robbo's facing the ball, so he can't be. Milner probably should be calling the line, but he's too far out to the right. So whether Gomez can hear him or not, I don't know. Um, it was, it was a little bit, we were just a little bit scattered and we were a little bit, a little bit soft in that first half, especially that those early stages. We just seemed like we were lacking a little bit of energy, a little bit of drive. Whether so, certain lads were tired after the midweek game, I don't know, but there was just there was something missing, and maybe it was just a bit of a bit of pace and attack. Because other than Mo, we didn't have that. We didn't have any outlet, and we became very predictable. Like they knew what we were going to do. If the ball was going into Gakpo, they were just letting him get the ball because they knew he was going to knock it off first time. He wasn't turning to have a go at them, and if they if he was, he didn't have the pace to go by them. Elliot was a real non-factor, and Mo, like I said earlier, he had a couple of moments where. He did something good, and then he followed it up with something really bad. I thought his decision making was really poor. But yeah, the first the first twenty one minutes didn't fill me with joy for what was to come. Hello, I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League and we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast which is every day at 4pm Monday through Friday covering the whole league. We have a tad predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa, he does Anfield Index. He presents a tad predictable before every Premier League match week and then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL roundtable there every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye. Yeah, not a lot of joy to follow either, Carl, because uh, as Dave sort of alluded to, they did start to get their tails up around about this point. 24 minutes, Gallagher has a snap volley at Allison who holds it. And then on 31 minutes, uh, the main man makes a fantastic save from Badi Shile with uh, a header from a free kick which came over from the left hand side now you could say uh, that the new boy should do better for them but again it's 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 Ali being uh, hugely important for us uh, we then looked really ropey from a free kick that came in from the right hand side as, as we've already alluded to set piece chaos uh, for us as a thing now it would appear uh, yellow card on 33 minutes for Stefan Macetic who comes in late uh, on Hall after a pretty loose Thiago pass one of those ones Dave was alluding to uh, caused a bit of chaos uh, Hendo tribute hoof cross number two by Milner on 34 minutes when there was an opportunity to do something a bit uh, more dangerous and on 38 Thiago had a shot blocked and a follow up shot saved uh, a decent move by us in 41. We saw Robbo uh, driving towards the goal centrally. Uh, uh, nice one-two with Mo Salah. Uh, nothing comes of it, alas, in the end. Uh, semi-dangerous Harvey Elliott cross on 42. And then on 45, uh, decent opportunity. A great through ball by Naby Keita. Uh, Mo Salah did his cut in in the Mo Salah position and he lifted it over the top quite badly considering uh, what we know he's capable of um, that would be a beautiful nerve settler right in the stroke of half time so I mean like I say uh, they really got into it there in the mid period of the half and we finished 
uh, strongly is an exaggerated uh, term, but at least it was something about us in those last few minutes, which I think continued as we started the second half. I think you saw there, you wanted to uh, comment on in terms of uh, incident or performance. Um, I think the the primary thing there about that first half was probably the amount of not just loose passes, but actively almost dangerous passes that we gave away. I think um, Thiago, obviously, he was the main conduit for us all game long, so it was natural that he was trying to force the issue a little bit, but some of them were just a bit ridiculously risky, to be fair, you know, into dangerous areas, not really too close or too accurate to the play that they were supposed to be going to. Um, I think that's probably what caused us the most problems all along. There were definitely some moments, I think, in midfield where Diago and Bajetic in particular were sort of quite quite adept at working it around the first couple of players who tried to, to press or to challenge them. And that sort of did spark a few decent build-ups, but we didn't really have any end product in the final pass or anything at all. Um, I think a couple of times Robertson got into decent areas after, again, good build-up, but then the cross wasn't good, the pass wasn't good. Milner, I mean, I'm not really sure what to make of Milner's performance today, to be honest, because he was <clears throat> into good positions and he was like manfully doing the overlapping every single time, even though he wasn't always getting it. But every single time he got into a good area, the ball was terrible. Like his long passing today, his, his crossing today, the set pieces today, all of those were really, really poor and it got a bit frustrating, to be honest. It did, and I think that's going to be this. That's really the feel that I have for this entire match. Uh, we talked at the very start about how it was uninspiring stuff, and there's a flatness that's coming through here as well because we're we're struggling to find things that we can look at and and and, and pull apart. Sloppiness on both sides for sure. And Carl, if you stay with me as we go into the second half, it does start positively with Ibu Kanate trying to lob uh, Kepa from the halfway line, which is always good fun. And I think we did, like I mentioned there a second ago, uh, have a little bit of fire in the belly in the opening goings of that second half. Decent pressure. Uh, quite literally, the press was good in this period. Uh, on 48 minutes, there was an Abbey effort, which was blocked. And on 49, we had another opportunity where Cody Gakpo headed over uh, a, a headed pass from Stefan Basadic. Robbo had played a free in from the left. Basadic headed the ball back across goal. And Gakpo jumps to try and head it when it's not on at all. And of course, really frustratingly, Mo Salah sort of lurking behind him where he could add a little tap in header at the back post. Uh, Harvey Elliott was looking for a pen on 51 minutes, but BT didn't even give a much of a replay. It did actually look like a foul, uh, on a replay to me. And on 54, they make their first change. They bring on a uh, Mudrick uh, for Hall, who goes on to have quite the effect. I'm going to take it up as far as our first sub with you. 57 minutes, uh, Gallagher should do a lot better uh, after a poor clearance for us. Gives him an opportunity. Uh, and on 59, ZX sort of drifted all the way across our defence, all the way from one side to the other with the ball before shooting wildly over when, again, he could have just calmed himself and had an opportunity I agree with you I think it was one of the better Ziyech performances I've seen certainly for Chelsea uh, but whether that was a, a good chance or not uh, it did speak to us being a little bit concerningly open and then we make our first intervention by bringing on Darwin for Nabi Keita uh, on 62 minutes so you might finish off with a comment on your uh, on that um, specific change of personnel when you think it was an appropriate one at the time as ever the uh, Twitter TL is absolutely riven with a contrasting views of an Abbey Kate is uh, showing today so I'd be interested to hear what you thought of that substitution the timing of it and the uh, specific uh, person that Darwin came on for anything about that opening part of the second half that you want to chat about as well um, actually that first what, maybe 10 minutes or so of the second half was the first game in absolutely ages where I can remember that, not in terms of obviously how good we were attacking-wise, but where we were positioned and how quickly we won the ball back. It was the first time in ages that we'd had that like net stationed around the outside of their penalty box and they just couldn't get out. And it wasn't quite as intense as we do it sometimes and it wasn't quite as, well, it was nowhere near as, as quality-filled anyway, but it was nice to see us be that little bit more adventurous and brave in terms of our positional play 
and actually get the positional play right so that we had uh gomez for example stepping right up into the left channel to to regain the ball and recycle it put it back to nabby to Bajetic, that sort of thing and we we did keep them pinned in for quite a while there so that would have been the ideal moment i think for, for everything to go right for us to score in that period because it would have sort of probably reinforced us that that's what we need to be doing that's just how diligently you have to be in position to get the ball back so quickly and stop them playing out and stop them running through and all the rest of it um i think that that was our best period of the game i think the substitution was right in in two ways one obviously to bring darwin on that's fine and two for cater to go off i thought cater was fine today um maybe different opinions um, on this podcast like like you said there's always a bit of a discrepancy of whether cater is great or rubbish but i thought without the passing being good which is a, a team-wide thing today his positional work was okay his his covering in the channels was good um not you know outrageous in terms of piling forward or driving forward or anything like that but he did it a couple of times and mostly this as i've said before was much more about getting the shape back in midfield making sure that that right side of position wasn't just leaving one player to be in midfield all the time i thought he did all of that okay why he had to come off was much more because he started his first game of the season in midweek and he started his second game of the season today and it's navigator uh, that doesn't usually go too well if you if you overwork him at the start so I think it's fine for him to go off. I thought it was fine for Darwin to come on. I did not think it was fine for Javi Elliott to be put back in midfield. And I think as soon as we did that, we lost control of the rest of the match. Yeah, 100% agree. That, that's that's very interesting. I want to get your take on on the the uh, substitution as well before we kick off there, just really briefly, because again, just t- t- let me do the the, the Bill O'Hurley asking the daft questions just for the sake of it here. Uh, so you 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 take off Nabi Keita. Uh, and that means that you have to bring on, uh, bring in Harvey Elliott into the midfield again. And you're replacing, let's just watch this again. You're replacing, uh, Darwin Nunes, who's going to play on the front, uh, on the left hand side. Uh, is there not like, is there not really a clear substitution to be made there, which is do you take off Harvey Elliott, right? You know, you see where I'm going with this. I would have said that, that was the moment to make a double sub. I would have said bring on Fabinho for Naby and shift Basetic to the right of the midfield three and bring on Darwin for Harvey because I thought Harvey had a bit of a stinker left wing and him going into midfield is just never a good idea. Naby, I had no problem with him going off. I, I think Carl's spot on. I thought he was, I thought he was good off the ball, but I thought he was sloppy on the ball. Like he, it, to his credit, he was actually trying to make things happen. He was trying to push us forward, trying to link play, trying to be creative and inventive and break down their defense. But he was a little bit sloppy with his, with his passing. But like Carl said, he, he played the full 90 in midweek in his first start of the season, which was risky. And I was actually surprised he started today. I didn't think he would, but I had no problem with him coming off. That's 150 minutes of football now under his belt in a five-day period, which is more than he'd had in the entire season leading up into Tuesday. So I, I didn't mind Naby going off, but it should have been a double sub. It should have been Harvey going off and either Fabinho coming on and Bastage switching, or even Curtis Jones coming on on the right side of midfield, because at least he's more physical, more solid defensively, and doesn't abandon ship and abandon shape. Like Carl said, we had had a really good, promising first 15. We were looking yeah. more aggressive. We were front-footed. Both centre-backs were charging into their half and, and looking to make things happen. And then when Harvey come, goes back into midfield, the, the midfield shape just crumbles. And it's not Harvey's fault, because Harvey isn't a midfielder. It's Jürgen's fault, or Pep and Linder's fault, or whoever's making that decision. It's their fault. Um, so I didn't have a problem with the actual sub, but there should have been another one made at the same time. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, on 64, we're in a mess at the back again, Dave. Uh, their little flurry of attack ends with Mudrick driving the ball into the side, rigging on the left-hand side. And then there's a yellow on 65 where poor old Jimmy Miller has to take out the uh, Ukrainian because, let's just be honest, he would not have a chance of catching him. So he kind of cynically does exactly that. It's pretty much a classic professional foul 68 minutes uh cody swivels and has a shot at the keeper after a good link with darwin that was 
a rare highlight moment. Uh, and you can see already the new boy, our, our uh, you know, main man, Darwin, having an impact. 71, uh, there's a ball across uh, from Gallagher to Mudrick, but again, he couldn't get his feet right. It was a dangerous position at the back post, but he just couldn't get settled. And so we take on at this point Trent for Milner on 71 minutes. Uh, Joe Gomez puts in a really good block uh, on a Ziek goalbound effort uh, soon after that. And on 75, Darwin drifted to the left and hit one at uh, the uh keeper from a very narrow angle there wasn't much to shoot at but at least it was a shot in anger and a shot apparently on target uh good track it back from darwin on 77 to rob the ball and, and launch a counter and his impact was was clear uh it's it, it, it was good to see him on the field i mean that's one of the little positives we could say they are wasting time at this point which is quite indicative uh, tells you quite a little bit about perhaps their their attitude to the result uh, Chalaba takes a yellow card for basically walking off the pitch for about seven years uh, we do a triple sub Henderson Fab and Curtis come on at that stage for Cody Harvey and Stefan Basetic and that's going to have a big impact in terms of uh, trying to get our shape uh, they bring on Aubameyang, Chukwemeka and as Piliqueta at that point as well Havertz, Chalaba and Mount going off and we might as well just see this through because you'd love to say there's loads of brilliant uh, opportunities and, and, and incidents for us to analyse there's not uh, Trent did drive one over in 82 minutes from the pullback I think by Darwin after good play, a decent through ball by Henderson Uh uh, it was a dangerous enough opportunity, but a really difficult effort for Trent to take off, uh, and he goes narrowly over with it. It's a sloppy, sloppy game, Dave. I've written that down about four times in my notes. It's there again at this stage of the game. Um, they're singing about the Queen again on 86 minutes. Fair play to them. Uh, there's a yellow for Curtis on, on, on 88 minutes or something like that. Um, as Pelicuela had fouled him, uh, right in front of, uh, big Mick Oliver, the greatest referee of all time, uh, he just didn't see it or didn't care. And Trent has a, a bit of a snappy, uh, or sorry, Curtis has a bit of a snappy, uh, um, revenge tackle that gets him into the book. Five minutes are added. And the only thing that happens in those five minutes is there is a chuck with Mecca, uh, effort uh, where Robbo does really well to get a block in on 92 and then right at the at the death we have a little bit of a flurry uh, and Fabinho has an effort blocked but the lack of incident the lack of quality the lack of really well shaped carved out opportunities for both sides if we're being honest the lack of uh, cohesive passing in midfield for both sides if we're being honest it just like you said early on, right back to the start, it just it was a bit of a shit show, wasn't it? It just it was a really, a really poor quality match. Yeah, there was for for, for a collective group of players that cost as much as the group of players that we saw today to put forward that level of football was was very disappointing and a little bit concerning, I think, for both clubs because, like, let's be honest now, that is far from Chelsea's best 11 far from it and I know we have a couple of in, we have a bunch of injuries as well but they're missing a lot of players this was an opportunity for us to go out and beat them today and we never looked like doing it like I, I would struggle to point to one real chance that we created in the match we had a couple of half chances but we would no real chances in the match their best chances were the silver one that hit the post on two minutes, and he may have been offside, and the Badi Ashile one from the set piece that uh, Allison made a decent save from. Other than that, I mean, 95 minutes of, of largely awful football. Um, Mudrick threatened to to create a bit of havoc. He, you know, he, he had that one really good run where he danced around Milner about three times and then put the ball wide. Um, and then there was the, the Milner foul, which was, it was exactly what he had to do. Now he should have been hooked immediately once he had the yellow card, because if Chelsea had been a bit smarter, they would have just fed Mudrick immediately after that and just kept having him run at Milner to try and get that second yellow. But we were awful. We were just awful. Like our, our link play was non-existent. There was no connectivity between our front three. 
Trent came on and, and God bless him, he tried to make things happen. You know, went in a couple of really good runs through the middle of their team trying to make things happen, but couldn't, couldn't get anything going. And then, you know, the, with each passing substitution that Klopp made, it, it just seemed to, I mean, Henderson came on and he ran up and down a bit and played one decent pass, but other than that, offered nothing really. Curtis Jones, to, to his credit, I, I thought he at least showed a bit of fight. Um, it was the first time I'd watched Curtis and realized that Cody Gakpo actually has some similarities to him. That lack of explosive pace, that same sort of upright stance and, and the same kind of close control and dribbling ability. So you'd wonder if we've just bought the same player, but taller. Um, yeah, I, I just, I didn't understand what Klopp set the team up to do today with that front three. And with each, when, this, when he made that triple sub, it almost felt like he was settling for a draw. It almost felt like he was settling for the draw. At least when he brought on Darwin for Naby, while it did have a negative effect on our shape, it felt like a let's try and win this game sort of move. Bringing Trent on for Milner seemed like the type of thing you'd do to try and win the game. But then when he brings on Henderson, Fab and Curtis, it kind of felt like he's settling for a draw here because we almost went to a midfield four. Curtis was playing left, Henderson right, Fab and Thiago in the middle. And it almost seemed like we were playing for a draw at that point. At I home that, against Chelsea, missing a bunch of players in awful form. I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. <laughs> this is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want, whenever I want and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked, and guarantees me super fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial, and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac, and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, mag boxes, and games consoles. Visit libertyshield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. Yeah, I think that fear and anxiety was just there, uh, probably for both sides. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to finish the show with yourself in a minute if you have any sum-up thoughts and get your plugs for the week. And Carl, why don't we do that now, yourself and myself, and, and have a, a, a recap on the, on the whole match. Of course, if there's something else specific you want to say about that second half, please do. But just your overall uh, assessment of, of what's going on here. In the greater scheme of things, I think we have a gap now until next Sunday, unless I'm wrong, uh, which means that's quite a bit of time for uh, the this squad to get together and for some people to get a little bit closer coming back. That's the FA Cup game against Brighton. Um, and I think there's another gap of another week until uh, the next time we're out, which is uh, Wolves at Molyneux uh, and then a decent gap again until the Monday night football against Everton uh, where we play them at Anfield so there are opportunities for recuperation recovery for the squad to work together and for something to possibly come out of this next period of time uh, in terms of positivity uh, is that does that sound like something you think might happen uh, I mean it should shouldn't it but uh, two things one that we've we've had gaps this season already um, not, not so much before the World Cup but a couple of times we have and we've come back and we've not done or we've not looked like we've done anything at all and then the other side of that is that previous seasons we, we seem to be better once we're in a rhythm and playing every three four days rather than a week or two weeks between matches and we come back and it looks so so sluggish so my hope is that one you know if we if we've seen some steps forward today from let's say the midfield off the ball not being as open a bit more compact hard work and all the rest of it then maybe this trio keeps working together during the week. Or maybe it forces a couple of the players who have come out to be much, much better in training this week. And hopefully the whole intensity is raised because, you know, we do look better, especially going forward. We, we obviously need to be a lot better than we have been recently. We need to be 
I think, I'm not sure, maybe training at a higher intensity or maybe um, training at a um, maybe just a more aggressive sort of level. Maybe that kind of thing has just not been there. But something has to be extra from what we have at the minute. It cannot just be a matter of, well, working hard because, you know, you're in training. You're going to be working hard anyway. You're going to be doing, you know, the tactical um, <clears throat> setups off the ball and walking through our shape. But it's not translating to match day performances, which are match winning. And like, what is it now? Four games we've scored one goal, something like that. So it's, there needs to be quite a lot of work done at the moment. And honestly, you play Brighton a couple of weeks after they've just spanked us. I don't think that's great. I mean, I know people will say opportunity to put it right and people to to answer the critics and all that kind of thing. I think that the, the mindset of this team at the minute is a bit too brittle to be doing something like that. And if Brighton, you know, put two, three past us again. I, I do worry about where the rest of this campaign is going to go, to be perfectly honest. I think that's fair, man. In terms of the week to come, uh, obviously less pressure in terms of a game every two or three days for a while now, but no doubt you'll be producing bits and bobs. Do you have anything to let people know about uh, that's coming up? Uh, I'll probably have a Liverpool piece after the weekend on the Independent. There will be a couple of podcasts next week, I believe, since there'll be a bit more time to, to record some. And nothing else from me, but I do want to just mention one thing, and that is a very, very welcome return to the pitch for Sebastian Allaire for Borussia Dortmund, who is back. Mm. That's a good news story, if ever there was one, for sure. Uh, and Dave, to get your uh, wrap-up thoughts on this uh, oddly truncated Raw, because let's be honest, we're not just going to talk about things when there are nothing to talk about. So uh, what w- how would you sum up and do let folks know what is going on for you in the week to come as well? I think we've covered pretty much everything there was to cover in the in the game, which was nothing. Uh, nothing happened. It was just a bunch of lads running around uh, getting their steps in for 90 minutes. Uh, we now sit ninth in the table, so we have gone up one spot. Um, Brentford played this weekend, but we've played the same number of games, and we're now ahead of them on goal difference, so we're eighth in the league. So that's a, a great achievement. We're on course for a 58 point season um which is you know a remarkable thing um people i've seen a bunch of people asking the question how are we this far behind arsenal how how has this happened so i just want to give people a brief timeline of events here december 2019 we're top of the league and running away with the title and arsenal are 10th in the Premier League table and a mess. Now, three years later, Arsenal are top of the Premier League and we're firmly in mid-table, a mess. Since then, they have a net spend of £325 million, including Trossard and the young centre-back they've brought in this month. And we have a net spend of £115 million including Cody Gakbo. Now, that's a difference of $210 million across three years that they have spent without playing a single game of Champions League football. Now, I understand that their wage bill is significantly lower than ours, but so is their revenue. Their revenue is significantly lower than ours, lower than ours as well. But yet they have been willing to back their manager and spend money. And now top of the league, they're spending money again, strengthening from a position of power. If you go back even to the summer before that, the summer after we win the Champions League, they spent an extra 75 million net in that window, bringing in Kieran Tierney, Martinelli and Nicholas Pepe. And I know he flopped, but still, that puts them at 410 million net since we won the Champions League. But for us, ours is at 75 million because we made a 40 million profit the summer we won the Champions League. So 335 million more they've spent since we won the Champions League without playing a single Champions League game because they are willing to invest in their team because their owners have ambitions. And our owners have let our team stagnate. They've let our club stagnate. And it's cost us not only on the pitch, but it's also cost us Michael Edwards 
It's cost us Ian Graham. It's cost us Julian Ward. And at some point, it's going to cost us Jurgen Klopp as well. Because there's absolutely no way, no matter what he says in public, that he can be happy to look around at his rivals and see a Chelsea team with a higher net spend in this transfer window than he has, not just a higher, but double the transfer spend in this window than he has in four years since winning the Champions League. There's no way he's happy looking at Arsenal doing that, looking at City buying whoever they want. Admittedly, they're a different case, but Arsenal don't have mega-rich owners. They don't have mega-rich owners at all. Kroenke isn't much more wealthy than than FSG. Admittedly, his wife is, but that's her money, not his. This is the result of year-on-year underinvestment, year-on-year leaving ourselves short. And this has cost us multiple major trophies because there is nobody who will convince me we weren't a better team than City last year. But we were short in midfield, and that cost us in in important games, Brentford, Leicester, West Ham, Brighton at home. Those four games, win any of them, and we win the league. The Champions League final, we were a better team than Real Madrid but we were let down by our midfield because Thiago had to play half fit and somebody else played and had an absolute stinker who shouldn't have played because he'd been dreadful all season. But he had to play because with Thiago being half fit, Naby was needed to stay on the bench in case Thiago had to come off because you couldn't risk starting them both because what if they both break down? The season before, we couldn't challenge to retain our own title because our centre-backs got hurt, because we left ourselves short at centre-back. We were top at Christmas. We were brilliant the last 10 games. There was a 12-game run where we fell apart because we didn't have adequate cover at centre-back, which meant Fabinho had to be pulled to centre-back, so our midfield fell apart. And then when he got hurt, our defence fell apart. And the season before that, when we did win the league, we should have won the Champions League as well. But a lack of investment in the squad meant that when a couple of players were injured or had niggles, We didn't have adequate cover to come in. We have cost ourselves major trophies. Not we have not. The the owners have cost us major trophies by the refusal to back the one good thing that they have achieved, which is convincing Jurgen Klopp to turn down every other club in Europe and take this job. Can't argue with a word of that. Uh, And if you want further wallowing in... um the uh, financial mire uh, and questions thereabout. Myself and uh, Mo Chatro are going to be recording a Money Talks immediately after this, so do keep your ears out for that. Dave, of course, you'll have lots this week as well, as usual. I do. I have two-footed um, Tuesday through Friday, Daily Red Tuesday through Friday. There'll be at least one, probably two scouteds. Uh, I think I'm recording with Grizz on Wednesday again as well. And there might be something else that pops up. And the other thing I wanted to say, Trev, I'm disappointed we haven't done a ref watch because I thought Michael Oliver had an absolute shambles of a game. And the the linesman that was running the side with the, the main the main stand side in the second half, I thought he was absolutely appalling as well. Absolutely appalling. They got every small decision they could possibly get wrong, wrong. And uh, just in terms of prick watch, which we're bringing back for the first time uh, in a while, um, Chelsea fans, all of them, uh, two minutes in, always the victim is it's never your fault. Uh, they sang about God Save the Queen, who's dead. They sang about Steven Gerrard, who hasn't played for Liverpool in seven and a half years. They sang about fat Frank Lampard, who cared so much about them that he signed for Manchester City. And then they sang, is this a library? Because, you know, Stamford Bridge is noted for its atmosphere. What a bunch of bellends. Yeah, well deserving of the award, I think, this week. Uh, and it's a good spot for us to end because it's sort of about disgruntlement, which I think is the general feeling that uh, all three of us have. And no doubt Guy as well listening and producing at the same time. So... A suitable enough for us to end on. Like I said, do keep an ear out for 
uh, Money Talks with Mo Chatter. I'll be uh, walking through some questions and Mo talking about the Deloitte Financial League and all the rest of it uh, and the ownership. We'll have a good chat on that now in about half an hour and that will be out soon after Raw for your uh, listening pleasure or otherwise. Listen, of course, to everything that Dave and Carl are doing and keep it with us. We'll be back next week. Well, Guy will be back next week with FA Cup Raw and we'll be back the following week where we kick back into the Premier League. So uh, I hope you can uh, salvage something for the weekend. Still early. Uh, no cause for great despair. Just a bit meh, really, wasn't it? The whole thing. So like I say, thanks to Dave. Thanks to Carl. Thanks to producer Guy. I've been Trev Downey. We'll be back with you soon. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.